For those of you who don't know me, my name is John. I'm one of the ministers here. Um, and before I get into uh, this series that was kicked off last week, this, this awesome series called uh, In Search of a More Perfect, uh, I want to give you a little update on something going on in the life of our senior minister, uh, Ethan Magnus. Um, Ethan, this week, had to attend to a couple uh, of uh, kind of personal issues, health issues going on with his mom and his dad this week. And so we have been lifting that family up in prayer. And what I would like to do is I would like to lift them up in prayer uh, with us here this morning. Before I do, I'll give you a, a quick update. Ethan uh, and Betsy sent over a text this morning. And what he wanted us to know is dad is recovering uh, and mom had successful surgery. And so we are praising God for that. Now, what we know is there are still things that will happen in the days ahead. Uh, so we as a church uh, want to be committed to praying uh, for the Magnuses. Uh, and so we're going to do that, uh, knowing, because uh, something else that they put in the text was they're joining us right now in worship uh, online. And so we're actually going to pray right now for and with uh, the Magnuses. So join me in prayer. Heavenly Father. We first of all pause in this moment in gratitude. We are grateful for the life that you have given us. We are grateful for the ways that you bless us each day in both big and small ways. Ways that we notice and ways that we don't. And Father, we also come before you in this moment knowing... Um, that there are, amongst the beauty and the blessings of this life, there are trials. Trials that you bear with us. That you carry us through. And right now, our friends, the Magnuses, are going through difficulty. And we lay them before your feet. Knowing that you are the God of all creation. We trust you. We pray for immense peace in their lives. For you to bless them with the hope and the knowledge that you are on your throne. That nothing is beyond your eye or your care or your power to redeem. You are the God of all. And we lay our prayers and our hearts and our friends before you this morning. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Thank you guys for praying with me on that. Um, I am going to continue on in this series. Last week, Ethan kicked off this series called In Search of a More Perfect. And fittingly enough, on July the 4th, he started a series uh, that is based on a powerful document from our country's uh, origins, right? Uh, the preamble of the Constitution. And I love the line. I love the line, we the people, in search of a more perfect. What's so powerful about that line, it's a couple of things. A, they recognize that things aren't perfect, right? Things are not totally right. But they also noticed something else that I find so interesting. They knew that what they were endeavoring to do was not going to make it perfect, right? They didn't say you know, we the people, to make everything perfect. He said, we the people, in search of a more perfect. There was a humility 
there. They knew things weren't right, but they dedicated themselves to a work knowing that it wouldn't be perfect. In the same way, we as followers of Christ kind of share in this yearning, do we not? We know that the world that God has given us is beautiful and broken, right? We know that there are wonderful things. There are wonderful things like sunsets and family. And there are also awful things like illnesses and Florida Gator fans, right? But yet... We commit ourselves to working, knowing that it won't be perfect until our God, our God decides to make all things new. This same yearning, hundreds of years before Jesus, was in the hearts and the lives of the Jewish people. Uh, That is why, over the next few weeks, we're spending some time in the letter written by a Jewish prophet named Jeremiah. Now listen, Jeremiah always had lots of bad news. He, he told the Jewish people uh, that it was going to get rough, that things were not going to go well. And so you know what they did? They ignored him because we do not like people with bad news. Every party needs a pooper. That's why we invited Jeremiah. But he was right. Uh, the, the empire of Babylon came down and invaded the, the land of the Jewish people uh, not only once, but twice. Each time, capturing some, killing others, chaining some, and carrying them away to a far-off land. Uh, this time, when they were separated from their people, when they were separated from their way of life, when they were separated from the God, the, the, the land that they worshipped that God, they called it exile. What an awesome word, right? It's a word that feels like it sounds. For example, when I say exile, what do you feel? Okay, apparently you feel nothing. That's okay. It's okay. I know it's hard to talk. We'll talk in just a second. Uh, But it feels like abandonment, doesn't it? It feels like despair. And Jeremiah, once again, speaks into this moment. This time, not as a party pooper. Well, kind of still as a party pooper. (laughs) Because here's the deal. People around them were saying, soon God is going to take us back home. Soon it is all going to be just fine. And Jeremiah came into this and said, no, not soon. However, I have comfort and instruction. You're not forgotten by God. But we do have work to do. And in essence, Jeremiah said, we want to go about making things right here in this place. (laughs) We want to make things more perfect here in exile. (laughs) It's it's kind of crazy and kind of funny, and they thought so too. Uh, His words actually angered a lot of people, and, and their thought was, yeah, right, Jeremiah, we're going to make things more perfect. Well, we can start by going back home. But that wasn't his call. 
to be honest with you, I can kind of understand why they felt so hopeless in this place. There were three things that I thought of uh, that I think could have made their situation feel just kind of hopeless. The three things I want to put up here are, the first one, the rulers. Uh, the rulers they just knew were evil. These are the same people who killed some of their friends, who captured them, who chained them, who took them away to a foreign country, right? The people, the people were immoral. Now, here, here's the deal. The people had like, uh, people of Babylon, they had over 20 different gods. And, and it wasn't just that uh, they had all of these gods that they worshipped, but the gods that they worshipped were immoral. The gods that they worshipped were violent. And, and so if the people wanted to do anything, anything they wanted, they could find a god that had done that thing. And it kind of gave them permission to do it. Come to think of it, you know what? That's kind of like our internet, right? Just kind of bear with me here. If you want to do something that's a little bit crazy, you can probably find somebody online doing that thing. And it makes you think, well, then it must be normal. But just because people are putting pictures of their cats in bikinis online doesn't really make that normal, right? Just because you can see it out there. But yet... It feels like it kind of gives people permission to do it. And that's kind of what these gods did for the people of Babylon. If they wanted to do anything, they could find a god that did it. And so it gave them permission to do it. Uh, so the rulers, the rulers were evil. The people, the people were immoral. And the land, the land was corrupt. This is hard for us. This is difficult for us to really understand. Uh, but the Jewish people, and actually many people uh, during this particular time, they believed that whatever the people worshipped in a place was inseparable from the ground, from the dirt that they walked on, the dirt that they planted in. And so the Jews could not imagine planting in this place because not only the rulers, not only the people, but also the land, the land was corrupt. And so I can understand why they didn't like Jeremiah's words. I can understand why they felt despair. And you know what I think? I think we get there too. I think we look around at our culture sometimes. We see great forces working within our culture and we think, man, it is hopeless. I'm just going to survive until I get to go to my heavenly home. I'm just going to make it through because I see things out there and they just seem too powerful for me to overcome. We're going to talk about uh, those things here for just a second, but we're going to do kind of in a creative way. I tried to get you talking earlier with the exile thing, but this time I really, really need your help. You know what we're going to do? We're going to play Pictionary. And I've got a friend who is going to help me. It's actually more than a friend. I'm going to call her out here right now. Audrey, come on out. Everybody give Audrey a hand. Hello, Audrey. <laughs> this is actually my daughter. If you haven't met Audrey, Audrey's my daughter, and she is incredible. She's a great drawer, and we are going to give her a little job for us today. So here's the deal. I, I was trying to think of answers to this question that I want to put up here. What things in our culture seem to have the greatest influence over most people? 
okay? And I thought of three things. We're going to go through uh, one at a time, uh, and I want to see if you guys can guess it. We're going to see if you can guess it by playing Pictionary, okay? So as Audrey draws, you try to guess the thing. Not all three. We're going to do, do this three times, okay? So, so this first time, try to guess one of the things I thought of in response to this question. Audrey, are you ready? You're good. Okay. Folks, are you ready? Yes. Okay. On your mark, get set, go. Okay. I think I'm hearing a couple louder. What? Oh, you're so nervous. You're more nervous than Audrey. Like, say me something. Love is close. Family. What else? Relationships, nailed it, well done. Yes, relationships. That's one of the things that I think is a powerful force in our, well done, Audrey, well done. Only two more to go, good job. (laughs) Yes, relationships are are a powerful thing in our country, in our culture. But here's, here's the bad news. Our relationships aren't going so great, right? So many people grow up in unhappy or even unhealthy homes. And as far as the relationships outside of that, we are going through a time in our nation right now where where people are claiming to feel isolated and lonely more than any other time in our nation. Yes, the relationships are influential in our life, and right now they seem to be influencing in a bad direction. Let's get on to our game, all right? So here's the second thing that I think is a major influence in our country, right, in our culture. This is the second one. Okay, are you guys ready? Audrey, you good to go? One, two, three, go. Oh, they nailed it so early on. Yes, sorry. Uh, that game really didn't even get it. Somebody just like, it you, you was on the tip of your tongue, wasn't it? You were thinking it. Money. Money is a huge influencer. Have you ever heard, um, have you ever heard the, uh, the line that somebody said? They say that money can't buy ha- happiness, but whoever said that obviously has never been poor. Have you ever heard that? Right? Um, but there is some, some truth to it. Um, so much has been done in the name of money that's difficult for our culture. Um, divorces, scandals, even wars have begun over the desire for money. Hear me say this. Money is a fine friend, but it's a terrible God. And for far too many people, money is a God. All right, we got one more. We got one more thing that we're going to do together. And let me hand you the color for this one. All right, you're doing great. You're killing it up here. All right, are you ready? Okay, one more, folks, one more. One more thing that's a major influence in our culture. On your mark, get set, go. All right, this one's a little bit more difficult. Ooh, I like that song. That's a good one. Oh, you're, yeah, yeah, I'm starting to see it. Ah, yes, 
social media. Very well done. That's good. Good job. Some of you are like, how in the world did she do that? That's the logo for one of the social media sites. Right, exactly. One of the social media apps. Uh, yes, Social media is something that has an incredibly powerful. In fact, uh, it was the thing that more often than anything else, I actually asked a few people what they thought of when I asked this question. And more often than not, that is the one that came up over and over again. Audrey, you did a tremendous job. Thank you so much. You may be, go wherever you want to go. Right. Thank you. Um, yeah, social media, it's funny. One thing that I love about kind of the rising generation, and it's actually something that has come through the world uh, of, of social media, is they don't call their stars and celebrities stars and celebrities. You know what they call them? Influencers, right? And that is so good. That is so smart. Because here's the deal. Um, stars and celebrities have always been influencers. Uh, we've, we've always tried to talk like them and dress like them and, and whatever. We just didn't call it that. I think it's brilliant that the rising generation says they're, they're, they're influencers. The problem is, by and large, in many ways, the influence is taking a toll on people. Um, anxiety and depression, especially among young people and young women in particular, um, is off the charts. Uh, misinformation in social media is rampant, and yet people go there so often for their information. And truth be told, I think there's so much going on in social media that tears us apart rather than brings us together. And we can look around at these forces in our culture, uh, the forces of failing relationships and, and, and greed and, and whatever it is that goes on in social media that seems to kind of tear us apart. And we can say, that is just overwhelming. How in the world are we supposed to have any influence? How are we supposed to live in a culture like this. In, in essence, like the Jewish people in exile, we live in a world that doesn't share our hope and desires. And the question that we're going to wrestle with today is, how do we work for more perfect? A world more in step with the God we know. I got a little bit of hope for you that we're going to get into kind of peeling apart in the minutes that we have left. The, the hope that I have for you is this. What if it were true that the big forces we think of in our culture, relationships, money, social media, are not destined to have the final say? What if we could live now for something that will happen in the future? And that thing that's going to happen will be the greatest influence our world has ever known. That can be a powerful hope. And Jeremiah knew the beauty of living for that. He knew that our hope doesn't rest in what we can accomplish now, but in what God has promised. So he called upon the people to settle in. He called upon the people to trust that God will make things right in God's time. And we're going to glean some wisdom from just a few words that Jeremiah had for us today. But if we can trust that God can make things right in God's time, the big idea that I want to share with you today and peel apart is this. God can use a simple life committed to a few values 
to make tremendous impact. Read that with me. Here we go. God can use a simple life committed to a few values to make tremendous impact. The question is, what does that look like? And Jeremiah is going to help us figure that out. So if you've got your Bible with you, I hope you do, turn to Jeremiah chapter 29. That's the, that's the, that's the passage that we're going to be in. Uh, Ethan announced it last week, and for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be there. Jeremiah chapter 29. I am going to start at verse 5. Jeremiah chapter 29, starting at verse 5. This is the instruction uh, that Jeremiah gives to the people living in exile, a foreign land. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Build houses and settle down. Plant your gardens. Now we look at this and we think, well, that's simple enough. That's a straightforward uh, kind of request to make. But it's so much more than just the idea of food and shelter. Uh, Remember, I told you that, that they believed this land was corrupt. They couldn't imagine the idea of planting a garden in this corrupt dirt. And yet Jeremiah says, plant there. Uh, one of the reasons they couldn't imagine is, is, is this was not only tied to the idea of food, it was tied to the idea of worship. Sometimes they used part of their harvest uh, to worship. It was also involved in kind of how they practiced their faith. Um, some of you may remember, uh, there is a Jewish law about Uh, feeding those who are in need. And one of the ways that they did that was with their gardens, with their fields, they would leave the edges unharvested. And that would be for the people passing through. It was more than just about food when it came to gardens. It was also about worship and compassion and living out their faith. Houses were a similar sort of thing. Houses were not just about shelter It was customary when a Jewish person built a home uh, to build what they called an upper room or a guest room uh, so that anyone who came by in need of a place to stay, they could welcome them in. Uh, it, it It was incumbent upon a Jewish person when someone was in need and they passed through to provide. In fact, the the truth be told, they kind of treated everybody like college students. (laughs) You know, if they were hungry, they fed them. Uh, They probably need a shower and some laundry done too, right? And they treated people that way. And their gardens and their homes were vehicles for this thing. The Jews, though, they're saying, hey, we're foreigners in this place. We're the ones who need to be provided for. And you're asking us to practice our lives, to embed our homes and our gardens in this place and bless this city and these people in times when they are in need. You've got to be crazy, Jeremiah. Homes and gardens, people, were more than just food and shelter. Homes and gardens were mundane tools that helped the Jewish people continue to practice central values of worship, compassion, hospitality, the values of their faith. One of the things that we need to hear in this call is something powerful. The Jewish people were having to to learn that they could practice their faith and live out their values when not in their homeland, when separated from their holy place. Folks, we can hear that too, can we not? 
Some of the most most powerful uh, ways that we live out our faith and our values is when we're away from the building, Uh, when we are not necessarily surrounded by other Christians, but when we are among those who have yet to come to faith in God. Jeremiah's call was to go about the routine of living and settling in while living the values embedded into those routines. So the challenge that I want to draw from just this short little piece of Scripture is this. Root your values into your routine. Root your values into your routine. Constantly weave the values of your faith into whatever you do, whether that is raising your family or home maintenance or going to work or joining an organization or whatever you find to do. Embed your values in those things. You can live them out in all of those places. As New Testament people or what we would consider followers of Jesus, We might need a little help. What are the values, right? What are the values that we need to embed into our routine? The fortunate thing is uh, the New Testament gives us a list. So they knew we would need help. So here's the help. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and into 23. The values that we are to live out are what's called the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, these things are called works of the Spirit in your life. So some of you might be looking at this list and saying, but I'm not a very uh, patient person. And what I would say to you is this. That's great. Here's why that's great. Because when the day comes that you become a more patient person, you'll know that the Spirit has done a work in your life. Some of you might look at it and say, man, gentleness. Gentleness is weak. God didn't think so. We're going to need the Spirit to do a work in our lives so that we can do a work in this world. And it's going to be challenging. Think about it. Think about what the Jewish people were up against. They were called to live out their values among evil rulers and immoral people and a corrupt land. Well, what if we lived out our values among the forces in our culture? What if we were the people known to be loving in relationships, kind with our money, and get this, gentle on social media? (laughs) That may be the most challenging of all, right? Will it change the world? Bad news, probably not. (laughs) But here's the deal. Our hope is not in what we can accomplish, but what God has promised. So we just go about changing the little places in the world where we operate. Let's read on in our text Again, back in Jeremiah 29, I'm going to read just the first part of verse 6. In addition to building homes and 
planting gardens. Jeremiah says, marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Uh, We'll stop there. Uh, Man, if they thought the gardens and the homes things was a challenge, this seemed insane. Uh, Gardens and homes, that was a commitment of a few months, right? To build a home and plant a garden and to harvest that. That's a few months. But in this passage, I mean, just look at the passage. There's three generations represented right there. I see grandparents, I see parents, and I see kids. And by the way, they ended up being in exile for about 70 years, plenty of time to have grandkids. This was a commitment to the long haul. Man, that had to be a tough pill to swallow. What I want to do, folks, is I I do want to draw out a couple of things uh, from just this short passage of Scripture. The first thing is this, the pivotal role of marriage. I mean, Jeremiah says it several times. Marriage can be one of the greatest gifts faithful people can give, not only to their family, but to the community at large. Schools are blessed by strong marriages. Uh, Workplaces are actually blessed by people who are in happy, healthy, peaceful homes. Back at uh, my former ministry in Jefferson County, I got the opportunity to be involved with the drug recovery court. And I was talking to the judge uh, who oversaw that court. And one of the things that he said to me, he said, you know what? If we could reduce the amount of trauma children experience in homes, people would be shocked at how the incidence of drug abuse just plummets. <laughs> and I thought, you know what, one of the keys to that, I mean, there's lots of, lots of things that would happen, have to happen to, to help with that, but, but one of the keys for that is thriving marriages. They are so important. And I don't have to tell you that so many are hurting. It's not uncommon at all to find people who are struggling in this area of their lives. So, A, you're not alone if you're struggling in that area. But what I would tell you is, if you want to bless your community, if you want to live out the values of your faith, then you can simply start by strengthening strengthening that powerful gift you have in marriage, that powerful gift for you, for your family, and for your community. And we want to help you in that. We also want to help you if maybe you feel like it's too late. Um, Maybe you've been through a divorce already. What you need to hear and know is that your story is not over. Uh, Our God can do amazing things with your story, and we have not forgotten you either. Uh, whether, no matter uh, whether you're uh, trying to strengthen a marriage, you're trying to find a path forward after marriage, uh, we would love to be part of that conversation. Lisa Blankenship, whose name we often mis- mention from the stage, uh, can either help you or point you in the right direction. So if you need that, go to our website, click on the about page, look at our staff and find out who she is. We will hook you up with that. We love you. And we want to see you strengthened in that area. There's a second thing that I want to draw from this passage and give to us today. And the thing is this. When you decide to have a family in a place, 
not just your family, but your children and your children's children, well, then you start to care about that place, do you not? (laughs) You start to care uh, about uh, the schools and the economy and the safety and all of the people operating in that place. It starts to matter, right? You're making friends. That neighbor could become in-laws, right? That teacher could end up teaching your grandkid. And so... Being embedded in a community means not only caring for that community, but caring for the people in that community. That's how you care for the future that your kids and your grandkids are going to inherit. So the challenge I want to give you, I know that Jeremiah speaks so much about marriage and and family, but the challenge I want to give to you is actually something any of us can do. And the challenge is this. Tend to your neighbors. Root your values into your routine and tend to your neighbors. The people who will be interacting with your family, the people who could end up marrying your family, the people who may end up teaching your grandkids. Care not just for the community, but care for the people in it. That is the challenge. Again, will it change the world? Well, maybe not. But our hope is not in what we can accomplish, but it's in what God has promised. And we work for what God has promised. Let's read the last little part of this uh, passage that I'm in today. Back at Jeremiah 29, uh, starting uh, at the kind of halfway through verse 6. Just the last little part. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Now, here's the thing. When Jeremiah says increase in number, I don't know about you, but if I'm listening to that, I'm going to say, I've had three kids. No, thank you. I'm all done. I'm all done increasing in number. Some of you may be with me in that. Uh, But it was about much more than simply increasing in number. Jeremiah was thinking about embedding more people into this community. Jeremiah was thinking about future generations and the kind of encouragement and support they would have. Jeremiah was thinking about the future day when they would get to go home. It was influence. Influence for the people today. Influence for future generations that Jeremiah wanted them to be able to have. And you can do that by more than just simply uh, making babies. I mean, think about this. If you're rooting your values into your routine, if you are tending to your neighbors, then you're starting to influence some of those neighbors. They're starting to look at your life and say, what is that all about? You are increasing the number of the faithful in the community of faith through influence. And that is something we are called to have. And you know what happens? When you do that, you get to do something awesome. And it's the final thing that I want to give to you today. You get to harvest a legacy. If you simply root your values into your routine, you tend to your neighbors, you get to harvest a legacy. 
not only, if you, if you think about what the Jewish people did, not only were there homes and gardens that people could look to, even future generations, they could talk about the people that lived in those homes, but they could also remember the stories that they told. They could be sharers of the blessing that those Jewish people brought into that place. Now again, maybe it'll change the world, maybe it won't. But our hope is not in what we can accomplish, it's, it's what God has promised. And we live for that, trusting God to take care of things in time. And the Israelite people in exile left a legacy. Did you know that uh, many Bible scholars believe that because uh, they grew not only in influence but also in number, they got to tell their stories to influential people? The story goes like this. Hundreds of years after the exile, there were some people called magi or wise men from the lands that Babylon once ruled. And they were looking up at the night sky. And they noticed a new star. And they said, remember those Jewish people that were among us during that time? They had some interesting stories. You know, one of the things that they told was that there would be a king born. And that star, well, that star looks like it's over the Jewish land. How about we go meet that king? <laughs> All of that from planting gardens, and building houses, and tending to their neighbors. <laughs> For those of you in this room that are followers of Jesus, you know what I hope? I hope you're planting gardens and you're building houses. I, I, I hope you're rooting your values into your routine. I hope you're tending to your neighbors. And I hope you leave a legacy. I hope that one day, maybe in your time, maybe not, <laughs> maybe later, but that somebody remembers the life that you lived. And they say, you know what? That person must have known a good God. That person must have known a loving Lord. Tell me more about him. They will look at the burning light of your simple life and they will want to know more about Jesus. Folks, you're one of just a billion shining stars in the darkness. But you never know what God can do with your light, with your legacy. It may seem simple, but our hope is not in what we can accomplish, but it's in what God has promised. So may we remember today that God can use a simple life committed to a few values to make a tremendous impact.
Let's serve the true influencer of this world. Let's serve the king who will one day make all things perfect. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. We know the world that we live in is beautiful and broken. But you have called us to live as shining, if not simple, lives within it. And this day, we commit ourselves to doing just that. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.